Hey friends, today's episode is going to be another fun one. I brought Dr. Heather back because we're talking about fertility again. We're talking about it in a little bit different way. You know, last time we went over some of the things that are usually missed in a fertility journey and some of the things that we want to make sure are included when we look at fertility. But today we're talking about the five things that need to be really focused on when it comes to fertility. So we're talking about um, egg quality. We're talking about hormone balance. We're talking about cervical mucus, all of these things that sometimes have not even been mentioned when we're looking at fertility. And so we want to make sure that you have these in your head as you're working with a practitioner or as you're looking for someone to work with because they're super, super important. So hopefully you enjoy this. This is fun. Even if you're not on a fertility journey, these things are really important for your hormone balance in general. So make sure to listen and get educated so that you can not only help yourself, but you can help others as you move along. Welcome to the happily hormonal podcast. Now, if you're a little iffy on whether or not the word hormonal is a good one, you're in the right place. My name is Leisha Drews, registered nurse and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner turned holistic hormone coach. And after going through my own hormone journey and having my three babies, I actually believe that our hormones are one of the greatest gifts that we've been given as women. And that no matter what you've been told, it's possible for you to have thriving energy, good periods, and a stable mood all month long. And I am here to show you the way. I think it's time to change the narrative around words like hormones and hormonal and start to reclaim the power that we truly have as women, which is the power to change not only our own health, but the health of all of our family for generations to come. Hormone balance doesn't have to feel hard. It can actually feel simple and fun when we do it in a way that aligns with how our bodies were made. If you're ready to start trusting your body again and feeling really good in that beautiful body that you've been given, then grab yourself a yummy drink and maybe a snack and let's do this. Okay. Welcome back. I have Dr. Heather here again with me, Dr. Heather Rhodes. If you're not familiar with her, she was my co-host at the beginning of the podcast. So if you've been an OG listener, we're going to talk more about fertility today. And so we wanted to just go over the five things to optimize for fertility. So this is going to be a very like, maybe you should take some notes if you're in a spot where you're wanting to work on your fertility, because we're going to give you some really tangible things to pay attention to some questions to ask your providers or some resources to be able to start figuring some things out. So welcome, Heather. Say hello, and we'll dive in. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. These are... Leisha and I were talking about, hey, what are the things that we want people just to be aware of, to ask questions about, to have a deeper understanding on? Because these are things that just don't, in my opinion, get covered in traditional like fertility appointments. And so we hit on this a little bit last episode, but like you can go years with these small little things, just needing tweaked and optimized a little and it making a huge impact of your fertility, but you never getting that information if you're not seeking outside resources to talk to you about them. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about these. Yeah. Okay. So let's just start at the top. Let's talk about egg quality. And I don't want to talk about egg quality in a way that feels intangible. So let's start with like how the egg is essentially matured, what's happening in your body that can affect egg quality and then like why it's so important. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things just to note, because when you think about egg quality, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming because you were born with all of your eggs. And so essentially everything you're doing has been affected by your egg or your eggs have been affected by everything you're doing. So 
sometimes when you hear about this, at least in other spaces, I've heard this, it can feel like, okay, well, for good egg quality, you need insane nutrition and no inflammation and no outside toxins and have to be the perfect age. And I just want to say, I just don't subscribe to all of that. And I really believe that there's a lot of provision and even like natural protection and abundance when it comes to your egg quality. But essentially, it's going to take about 90 days for an egg to fully mature. So you want to have about at least a three-month time frame of making some changes to improve egg quality before you're necessarily going to see the effects of that. Egg quality is also going to go just a tiny bit in tandem with one of the other markers that we're going to talk about, which is progesterone, because your progesterone levels are really determined by how mature and essentially that quality of the egg that your body chooses to release that month. And so when I initially start thinking about egg quality of like really tangible ways you can approach it that don't feel overwhelming, it's first going to be obviously looking at, hey, is my body overall nourished? Am I getting enough nutrients? Does my body feel safe? This is why on our last episode, we talked about how, and you'll hear me, every single one of these five is going to go back to your metabolism in some capacity. Is your body sending the resources, the minerals, the vitamins, the proteins that you have? Do you have them in excess so that your body is sending them to the eggs? And then another big thing I think is an easy heavy hitter when it comes to egg quality is going to be antioxidants. So just thinking, hey, am I minimizing toxins? It doesn't have to be crazy, you guys. It can just be like the big things. Switch from plastic to glass Tupperware. Maybe let's pull out any type of estrogen mimickers or some of the major toxins in your personal products that you're breathing in and putting on every day or that you're cleaning with or is in your home. That tends to be it when it comes to like low toxin for me. I don't go super wild and crazy with it. I think you can, and there's room to, and some people will need to go deeper, but I think like you can have a intuitive pull and a conviction of like where, and ask for even guidance and being led like, Hey, are there toxins I need to uncover? Or do I need to get a little bit more strict in this area in my home? But from the very beginning, I think that an easy way to think about egg quality is thinking good minerals, good nutrients, getting antioxidants on board, and then seeing, checking in, Hey, what evidence am I having that I have good egg quality? So that's going to, I'm going to go back to a BBT chart on that. I'm going to say, Hey, I want to see your metabolism is showing that you have good egg quality because you've got good tent. You've got good symptoms of a strong metabolism. You've got good hair, skin, nails. These things can all be reflective of some of the internal developments your body is making throughout the month. Yeah, that's perfect. And so when you're talking about antioxidants, I feel like that can sound fancy too. And I always like anything that sounds out of out of range. Sometimes I like to just dial it back a little bit. And so you can take supplements that are antioxidants and that's something that most people will do. But some of the most basic ways to get antioxidants are eating like brightly colored fruits and veggies. And I don't mean pounding kale and broccoli and like just shoving it all down your face. But if you're looking at your week and you are getting multiple different colors of fruits and you're getting some of those foods that are high in vitamin C, but those are going to be really antioxidant rich. And then maybe adding like some whole food vitamin C can be helpful. And there's other supplements too. And we always like to personalize those, but I just wanted to like, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I just need to get like an antioxidant supplement. Let's scale back just a minute and let's make sure you're actually getting some good quality antioxidants and nutrients in your food 
because it's going to make the most difference every single time. Yeah. And I think, and this is going to lead us like into our next one. So I'll go ahead and say our second thing to optimize is going to be cervical mucus. And this is going to go for cervical mucus and egg quality. Your body is producing these things in your, well, in your body, obviously, (laughs) but these things are being produced and you do want to make sure that they are happening and this production is happening in the presence of low stress hormone activation. So that's why we talk so much about, Hey, we want to not just think about being less stressed when you're trying to conceive. We want to actually teach you and show you these are ways you can eat in a way that lowers stress hormone production. That's going to be talking about how are we stabilizing our blood sugar? Are you getting enough of each of your nutrients like fats and carbs and protein? And so for cervical mucus, just transition us into that one. So this is something that, again, I think I shared on the last episode, I was not aware how much of an effect it had on fertility for a very long time. And I wish I could show you guys a visual, but I want you to imagine like a very tight barbed wire that is completely like overlapping. It's crisscrossed in formation and it has those little spikes that come out. Okay. Essentially, when you have cervical mucus that is not necessarily robust and it's not fertile cervical mucus, it's meant to trap the sperm a little bit so that they don't get where they need to go. And then when your cervical mucus turns fertile and you have fertile cervical mucus, it creates like a riverbank. You've ever seen like a place where a creek or a river was and it was empty. It wasn't filled with water. It almost creates this little like protective path, right? Indention that something could go up. And that's what you get when you have your fertile cervical mucus. It creates these tiny little channels that actually push the sperm up where they need to go. It's also going to give the sperm specific nutrients that are going to number one, help them survive, help them swim faster and help them mature. So the sperm need a little bit. It's like they have like almost all the ingredients to make a salad, but then you go to your friend's house and you're like, oh, hey, I need some bacon bits and some cheese to throw on top. So this is a really good salad. The same thing. The sperm have like most of what they need, but then you give them that little sprinkle with your good quality, highly fertile cervical mucus as they're making their journey up to the egg. So that by the time it gets to the egg, you have this fully developed, really healthy great sperm that is going to fertilize that egg and then release what it needs to get it implanted into the uterine cavity. And so I see tons of women not make any cervical mucus and struggle with cervical mucus. And it's not being addressed because you can ovulate and not have good fertile cervical mucus. And that can influence your ability to get pregnant because that sperm is going, and maybe it's even going at the right time to the egg, but it can't get there because it's missing the nutrients and it's getting trapped in that barbed wire type consistency. And so when I think about, well, why would somebody not be making enough cervical mucus? Number one, it's almost always going to go back to the metabolism. Cervical mucus is very similar to all mucous membranes that you have in that it's super rich and abundant in minerals your body needs for fuel. And so if day to day, you aren't taking in enough fuel you're not eating enough, you're not nourished, you're not having enough of the right things for your body to feel like, hey, we have an excess of the things that fuel our cells, that fuel our organs, that fuel our processes that we're doing. If that's not happening, then your body will actually find those mucous membranes and say, oh, well, we can just use these as our fuel for right now. That's actually one of the number one causes of leaky gut 
because your body starts using that mucous membrane that keeps your gut sealed and protected as fuel. So that mucous membrane gets broken down and then you can experience leaky gut. So a lot of times my girls that have been told, hey, you have thyroid issues. Hey, you have something with autocommune or autoimmune. Hey, you have autoimmune. Those are signs and usually are coming alongside of fertile, fertile cervical mucus being too low. And so when we address that as a root cause and not just try to control everything with meds, you can get that cervical mucus to be more fertile so that it can help you to conceive faster. Okay. So let me talk about what I would consider to be good cervical mucus because hello, like this is not something that the American girl book taught us and probably no one either. So what I love to see in a monthly cycle is a few days after your period ends, depending on the length of your period, you generally will start to see a little bit of a lot of women will call it like discharge. You'll see a little bit of something in your underwear after like when you wipe or whatever. And it'll start out generally in a pattern where it's like dry and sticky. And so what that looks like, it's essentially like on your underwear, there's like a little dry like line that kind of looks white or creamy or something like that. And you'll see that for a day or two, generally, maybe one day, two days, and then you'll move into more like creamy or like sticky, creamy cervical fluid. And so what that will look like is I consider that kind of like a lotion like texture where you'll see that there's essentially, if you were to touch it, if you were to rub it between your fingers, it's like a little bit like just a general kind of thick lotion. And it starts to gain more water content as you go toward ovulation. So I like to see somewhere around five-ish days, five to six days of cervical fluid, depending on your cycle, depending on how your body is producing estrogen, and it will just gain water content as it goes. And so as you get close to ovulation, hopefully the last couple of days, you'll have some pretty high water quality or high water content cervical fluid. You'll see that it's going to continue to have a consistency and hopefully even get to a stage where it's like this egg white consistency. And so if you think about an egg white, when you're dumping it in the pan or whatever, it's pretty viscous. It's almost like stretchy, sticky, maybe not sticky, but like stretchy. And so if you were to touch that cervical fluid again, and you were you should be able to stretch it between your fingers and even can even get to more of just like a wet quality right before you ovulate. And so if you're not seeing an abundance of that, over several days, at least enough, in my opinion, I want to hear you yours too, but at least enough where you're noticing it. Like you should notice that it's there. And especially if you're wanting to get pregnant, you want to see a good amount of cervical fluid because exactly what Heather said, like that is the pathway. It helps escort the sperm to the egg. Yeah, absolutely. So I tend to see almost exactly what you described. If it's not abundant, if you're not recognizing it, then you need more. But it should. Sometimes people will feel it in different capacities. And so sometimes that can feel like just a wet sensation. If you're standing, sometimes you won't notice it unless you're going to the bathroom, especially if you are having to poop and you feel something. That can be a sensation where you can quickly use a toilet paper wipe of your vaginal canal and just see, oh, this is cervical mucus. Hey friends, sorry to interrupt, but I have something new and free for you. So it's going to be worth it. I just created a private pod course that is going to teach you all about how to actually balance your blood sugar 
for happier hormones and more stable moods and energy. And I'm giving away the first two episodes completely free. All you have to do is sign up and grab those and you will have complete access right away. Your link is in the show notes and I will see you in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think being able to see it in your underwear is optimal because it's easiest to see there. And also in my opinion, that means that there's like enough to notice, but absolutely there's other ways that you can check for it too. But I just wanted to clarify if someone's listening and they're like, I have no idea if I even have cervical fluid or like what it is or what it should look like. Is mine good? Is mine not? That's the realm of normal that we're looking for. And then sometimes you can see it in your underwear is like almost like a jelly. That means that it was there and it just hung out and dried up. So that sometimes can be that egg whitey can turn almost looks like a little, I don't know, like a jelly consistency. And then you've ovulated when that cervical mucus goes from like really robust to dry, almost completely dry within 12 or so hours. That means the egg has actually dropped. So let's move to our next one, which is sperm markers. And for sperm markers, typically the best way you're going to see this is going to be a traditional sperm analysis. But we wanted to talk about this because there's a lot of debate around what is a healthy sperm analysis. So not a whole lot of controversy around viscosity or the amount of sperm. Those things are pretty straightforward, but I do see motility is pretty straightforward. I see the biggest controversy around sperm morphology. So morphology just means the shape of the sperm itself. And they have to have good morphology to be able to penetrate the egg wall and to be able to go through those channels and get up to the egg appropriately. And so with morphology, traditionally we needed a marker of 15% or higher. Well, the World Health Organization actually came in and changed that. And now there's two different markers. So there's one organization that says, hey, we still want 14%. That means that 14% of this sample are shaped the appropriate way and could get the egg pregnant or fertilized. There's another body that said, hey, actually, we're going to lower that to 4%. You only need 4% of your sample being the right shape. The problem is when we look at markers for one, two, and 3%, the data is just not great. And essentially that can look like infertility. And so to me, sometimes I think, well, wait, so you're telling me 4% means you're totally fertile, but 3% means you have infertility and need to use an outside intervention. And so I like to look at what shapes specifically are we seeing in these deformities? So that can point to what potentially is needing to happen with optimizing the sperm itself, because these are markers that can change. And so I want to tell you that because we spent years of our journey being told like, Hey, you can never change these. Well, the truth is you can, there's a reason the body is not making these sperm in the way that they should. And we actually, in our own personal journey had four total providers tell us based off of a specific sperm marker that Things were just going to be this way. It was completely infertile. These had to be our next steps. And by looking at the specific shapes, I actually identified a pattern, forced the provider to evaluate something very specific that we found and uncovered was the root of why these readings were what they were. So I just tell you that because you sometimes have to advocate for yourself. And when I think about optimizing sperm markers, we're obviously thinking about things like sleep. Sleep is the biggest thing because if your husband's not sleeping or if his circadian rhythm is off, if he's a shift worker, that's going to make a big difference because your sperm are made overnight. Men have a 24-hour hormone cycle. So everything resets overnight while they're sleeping. 
We also want to look at the big major markers like alcohol, tobacco, even THC and marijuana use, even if it's in gummies or vape pens or anything like that, and then nutrients. So making sure they're nourished overall. Do we have enough zinc? Do we have enough antioxidants? Like we already talked about the things that can really fuel your body having what it needs to make good amounts of these sperm in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that it's so important to just consider that it's not always the woman. It's important to be checking both. And that can be a pretty simple way. But again, you have to have the right person read it essentially. Yeah, I love that. And then our fourth marker that we talked about is progesterone levels. So this one's pretty straightforward. And I would probably refer you guys to the tons of podcasts we have specifically on progesterone. But you want to optimize your progesterone production. You also want to make sure that your luteal phase is long enough. So if you have a luteal phase, which is the time from ovulation until your period starts, that is shorter than essentially 12 days, you might be experiencing what we call luteal phase defect, which simply means, hey, we need to get your body making more progesterone. Your body's not making enough progesterone. It's usually going to come back to nourishment, metabolism, stress hormone production. Alicia, what do you want to add to that? Because I know we've done so many episodes on that, but if you want to hit the big hitters there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. I'm going to link for you in the show notes, some of the episodes that you can refer back to on progesterone, because I have multiple episodes on how nutrients affect progesterone, how stress affects progesterone, even some very recent ones. So I want you to go back to those. We won't redo a whole episode on that this time. And then the last thing that we have for optimizing fertility is estrogen metabolism, which is also a topic that I talk about every other time I talk on this podcast. And so I'll just go through just really quickly. It really is important, again, for your body to have the nutrients it needs to signal to make estrogen in a healthy way. And we also have to make sure when we're thinking about this bathtub of toxins that can be in your body or hormones, we want to make sure if you're having overflow symptoms of estrogen, that we turn off the tap or we turn it down to an appropriate amount. And then we also unplug the bathtub. And so estrogen detoxification and metabolism is so important. And it really can be simple, but we've got to make sure your body's getting the nutrients for good liver function, for good bowel function, all of those things. And so again, I will link to some progesterone and estrogen episodes because we have hit on these so many times and we have those resources for you. Yeah, and I think both of those are gonna come back to ovulating the first time your body attempts ovulation and really looking at your cycle markers. So again, we look at BBT charts and we can see, are you making enough progesterone? Is your metabolism moving in and out? These are things you're not going to see on traditional blood work. So you might be being told, Hey, everything's normal. Your hormones are normal. Your labs are normal, but we could look at a BBT chart and see your body's really slow to process estrogen. And that might mean that your liver or your gut needs some support. That's going to direct your next steps rather than you feeling like you need to To get pregnant, I've got to heal my gut and do this full protocol. I've got to do this huge liver protocol. That might not be the first step for you, but it might be a really helpful step. And you'll be able to see and determine that by knowing what to look for and how these hormones are moving together. Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned this in the last episode, but I know Heather has a BBT chart resource that we're going to link to in the show notes. And then of course, as we're talking about increasing your egg quality, cervical fluid, progesterone, estrogen, everything that has to do with you. This is exactly what we teach in Nourish Your Hormones. 
we have the resources for you. You don't have to go looking for them. You don't have to be confused anymore. We have it written out step-by-step. So definitely look at the resources in the show notes, reach out to us. We want you to get pregnant. We want you to be feeling good in your body. And so we're here for you. Reach out with your questions. And if you love these fertility episodes and you want more, let us know and I'll bring Heather back for another one. Yay, I love this. Thanks so much, you guys. All right, bye. Any information shared on this podcast is solely for educational purposes, is not to be taken as medical advice or to be used as a diagnosis or a treatment plan for any medical condition. I'm sharing my educated opinions and experience, but nothing shared here can be taken on a one-size-fits-all basis. We always recommend that you do your own research, talk to your own doctors, and take full informed responsibility for any health and medical choices that you make. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today for listening. And I hope that you were encouraged and learned something new. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you be willing to share it with a friend and to leave us a review? I believe that every woman deserves to understand her body and feel great in it. And you can help me in this mission by sharing the podcast. If you're also feeling like you're ready for the next step and you're really ready to dive in in your hormone journey, my course, Nourish Your Hormones, is created specifically for you. It's a step-by-step blueprint to increase your metabolism, restore energy, and have better periods and mood every single month. I would love to connect with you. So come over and join me on my Instagram page at Leisha Drews and send me a message if you have questions or just want to tell me something that you enjoyed about this episode. I can't wait to meet you.